0: Sing. We wait for this day, we gather in your name, we call calling out to you, oh glory I go fire.
1: Good morning. It's good to see everybody that's here. Hope you've had a blessed week. Uh, We're looking forward to a wonderful service uh, this morning. We're going to begin with baptism uh, for Ms. Kay Fox. And so I wanted to share with you as we begin a verse of scripture that comes from the book uh, of Romans, which I had open just a second ago. There we go. Romans chapter 6 and verse uh, 3 says, do you not know That all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. And we understand that it's not baptism that saves us. It's our profession of our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. But we follow through baptism in obedience to the Lord. And we believe through immersion uh, with that baptism. And so Ms. Kay Fox is coming this morning on her profession of faith uh, to be baptized in believer's baptism. So Ms. Kay, if you'll go ahead and come. Ms. K, what is your profession of faith? Jesus is Lord. Upon your profession of faith is Jesus is Lord. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism, and risen to walk in a newness of life. Amen. Amen. And we do want to welcome those of you who are joining with us. Uh, online there, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Uh, you see the different ways that you can uh, live stream us there. Uh, encourage those of you, if you want that phone live streaming number, uh, call the church office. We'll be glad to give that to you. And then just as a reminder also, uh, if you're, you're there at home, go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab that you can download today's worship bulletin as well as the children's worship bulletins. If you're here in person and need those, they're in the windowsill over here. But if you need the uh, worship bulletin, our ushers will be glad to come around and give you one, as well as they're in that windowsill also. Uh, In just a little while, after we sing our first song, uh, Pastor Matt's going to come and lead us in our prayer uh, for our missionaries and then share a few announcements with us. Uh, So you be prayerful about those announcements that he's coming to share in just a little bit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the service. We thank you, Lord, uh, for Ms. Kay and her faithfulness, Lord, following through with believers' baptism. And, Father, we just pray that you will continue to have your hand upon us as a church. Lead us and guide us, Lord, in all you would have us to say and all you would have us to do. Bless this service this morning that the name of Jesus will be uplifted and you will draw all men unto yourself. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike.
2: technical difficulties. <coughs> Let's sing. Miss Back?
3: Good morning church. We got a, a couple of quick announcements. Don't forget to register for VBS and also we still need some uh, volunteers as a helper for that as well. And so if you have any uh, kids or grandkids or some next door neighbors who uh, could come, we'd love to have them with us this year. Uh, and also don't forget our VBS kickoff is June 4th, 6 o'clock through 730. Uh, we're going to have food, fun, games, and don't forget our color run and walk. And it's only going to be a one-mile, and, you know, we also need some people there to throw uh, some colors on the kids as they come back uh, into the church parking lot. So that's June 4th at 6 to 7.30, and also uh, Vacation Bible School is June 6 through 10th. And you can still scan your barcode in your bulletin to get you a VBS shirt, and, you know, if you need help with that barcode, I know uh, that can be a little difficult for some. And so if you need help with that, you know, you can see myself or uh, Pastor Jim, and we can help you out. And don't forget, today's our barbecue fundraiser right after service. Uh, donations only. We're going to have some great barbecue, and looks like there's going to be plenty. And so we, we are looking forward to that. And this year, we are splitting the fundraiser between us and Center Kid. and so uh, so that way it will help cover the cost for most of those kids going to CentraKid camp and those going to youth camp. But as we Closing those announcements, let's open up your bulletin and and read with me real quick as we talk about our missionary moment of the week. Today we are praying for Vivian Carter, who works with women in northern Africa, helping them to develop life skills and support their families looking toward the future. She's excited as she prepares for two new ventures. One is a program designed to start the process of healing from emotional, mental pain and trauma using scripture stories or struggles, pain, betrayal and loss. Participants share in a healing activity and pray for each other. And so let's be praying for Vivian as she starts these two new uh, Ventures for uh, these people here in northern Africa Lord, we thank you for this time together and Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives Father We come here this morning. and We worship you father help us to lay aside the distractions that so easily pull us aside from what is it? You are saying to us God, we just pray that as we listen to your word preached this morning, we pray for Brother Jim. God, speak through him. May your word uh, speak to our hearts, Father. May it change us from the inside out, Father. May we desire to want to encounter you daily. God, we thank you for this time together, but we thank you for your mercies. We thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. And, Lord, we want to lift up Vivian to you and all that she's doing these last eight years, Father. Bless the works of her hands for your glory. Strengthen her and encourage her. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And also, if you didn't get an opportunity yet, um, I posted some pictures on Facebook of what the youth have been doing this past weekend. We had an opportunity to help out uh, Bel, Air, Bel Air Elementary School, and we got to partner with Grace Baptist Church and paint their playground, the K-2nd grade playground. So if you uh, get an opportunity, go by there or check out the pictures on Facebook. You can see some before and afters. And they did a great job, and it was an awesome time to, to hang out with the students and also do something with a, a church in our association with Grace. Because the goal is, you know, when it comes to churches, we're not building uh, castles, we're working in building the kingdom. And so we are. We had a great time, and I'm sure we'll do something again with them as well. But I pray that as, as uh, Pastor Jim comes here in a bit, you know, just begin to prepare your heart, pray, and sing unto the Lord in worship and and ask the lord to to teach you something today and, and to draw f- close to him thank you
2: you know we have a command as god's children to uh share to go and tell others about him and about our experience today's lesson or today's lesson today's song is 567 share his love and in acts 542 it says they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news we shouldn't either So y'all can stay seated on this one, but the choir is going to stand, and we're going to sing 567, Share His Love. Ladies. playing baseball. That was one of the few things that we had to do. Uh, But I'm going to throw you a curve tonight, or today. I'm going to sing in a different hymnal. But you're going to have to use the words that are up there. But I think you know it. You've probably grown up. If you've grown up in in any of our Protestant churches, you've heard this before. So let's sing with the choir. Y'all stand too. And let's sing, Bringing in the Sheaves. over here by the piano forgot to make that announcement so let's sing the second verse
0: You
1: Amen. He is our way maker. Uh, Where there seems to be no way, he makes the way. So take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to Matthew's gospel. Uh, We began last week looking at some of the parables that Jesus shares uh, as we're looking through the life of Jesus. And we come to this one, we looked last week at him sowing last Sunday morning and then Sunday night again uh, as we looked at that uh, agricultural society that they lived in. Well, he uses another illustration from the garden as he talks about the wheat and the tares. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, uh, down through verse 30. Let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat also with them. Let us grow together, let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the blessing of your word. And as we look at this passage this morning, Lord, of the wheat and the tares, I pray that we'll do some self-examination in our own hearts, that your Holy Spirit will lead us and and shine the light of your truth into our lives. As we hear the gospel message, Lord, I pray that there will be those who would respond to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, others, Lord, who, who may be reaffirmed in their faith, and yet others, Lord, who will see the urgency as believers to be casting the seed so that people can come to faith in Christ. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor and we give it all into your hands and we ask for you to bless this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you can be seated. As you'll remember, we explained this last week that Jesus gave several parables which essentially are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning and the parable that we're looking at this morning is is the wheat and the tares or really about those who are counterfeit Christians because not everybody who talks about heaven is going to heaven Not everybody who talks about Jesus is going to heaven. And not everyone who claims to be a Christian is a Christian. Dr. Vance Havner said that many church members have been starched and ironed, but they've never been washed. (laughs) And I think that's true. They've never been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. They've never truly been saved, truly been born again by the Spirit of God. And so what's the truth that Jesus is telling us in this parable uh, that we call the parable of the wheat and the the tares or the wheat and the weeds? If we learn these truths here, uh, there are several truths that we'll learn uh, that we're going to find out, some that will comfort us some that will warn us, and we'll find out that there will be a truth that will instruct us. We're going to learn today in this parable that God is still in control, uh, that that, that'll be a word of comfort to us. Uh, We're also going to see as we study this parable that there are some who pretend to be saved, and yet maybe they even think they're saved, but the scripture tells us they're not. And that's a word, word to warn us uh, to make absolutely certain that we know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. So let's look at that parable, if you will, again. We've already read those first verses, verse twenty-four through verse thirty, and let's just kind of look back over that, if you will, uh, briefly. It's a very simple story, and Jesus is telling the story here about a farmer who, who has a farm, and he goes out to sow the seed. Uh, he has, a, he's a wheat farmer. He has wheat seed and he does a good job. He's a good farmer. Uh, He goes out, he sows the seed, he goes back home uh, and, and his servants, it says while they were asleep, while they were sleeping, the enemy of this farmer comes and begins to sow some seed. Now, if you remember when we talked about the parable of the soils, and when we talked about last week the parable of the seeds, uh, we also talked about how uh, they would have a satchel, a bag, if you will, that would be on them. And they would take that satchel, they would reach into it and grab some seed and cast it out. And it, wherever it fell, that's where it fell. Some fell on the rocky ground, some fell on the path, some fell amongst the thorns, others fell on the good soil. And so as they cast this seed, that's what's happening. He's cast the seed. They've all gone to sleep. It's been the nighttime. And somewhere in the night, Sometime while they were sleeping, the enemy of this farmer comes and he begins to sow some seed. He begins to sow some seeds called tares. In fact, tares are really a weed, but they look like wheat. Now sometimes when we think about a weed, we think about dandelions in our yards. We think about uh, all kinds of things that may grow in our yards. But what we see in this parable is that here is wheat seed that's going to grow up. And here is a weed seed that's going to grow up called a tear, and they both look similar to each other. If you were to look those up, I meant to show you a picture uh, of those, but if you look those up, wheat and tares, you'll see just how close they look to each other. Uh, as a matter of fact, when it first springs up, even an experienced farmer can't tell the difference between a tear. And a wheat. I mean, you think about it. Here comes the blade up out of the soil, and then the stalk begins to grow. And it's really not until the husk part of it, where the kernels of wheat are enclosed, uh, that you kind of begin to see what what one looks like versus the other. In fact, you'll see that a wheat seed, uh, the wheat tassel there, it'll it'll look more full. It'll look more bulky. Where the weed, when this tear, is very thin, because there's nothing in it, Uh, it's empty. Uh, It's useless. And so uh, even an experienced farmer couldn't tell the difference. And so the enemy sowed these weeds in the middle of the night. And then the crop began to grow. Now obviously we're not talking about here in this story that they went to bed and it's jacking the beanstalk and the beanstalk came up overnight. It's not the weeds and the tares came up overnight. It's over time that we see this story as Jesus is kind of telling it. He's wanting to get to the point. And so here come the wheat seeds beginning to poke up through the ground over time. Here begin the tares, the weeds beginning to poke up uh, over time. And they reach a certain maturity. A certain period of maturity and then the difference becomes more obvious and so the servants come to the farmer and they say hey hey sir uh, don't you didn't you plant good seed i thought that's what you planted and and the farmer says i did and they're like well where did all these weeds where did all these tears come from And so he he realizes immediately it was his enemy who did that. He wouldn't have done it. He had good seed that he sowed. And so they begin to say, well, do you want us to go and to pull up these tares, to pull up these weeds? And the farmer says, no. He says, don't do that. If you did that, he says, you would uproot some of the wheat also. Now, if you've ever gardened, you've seen that. When you plant corn or you plant any kind of vegetable in your garden, sometimes some weeds grow up alongside of them, and you begin to try to pick those weeds out if you're not careful, you'll also pull the plant out. Because what happens so often is those those roots begin to get intertwined with one another. And so what the farmer is saying here, he's saying don't pull up, The tares, because that's probably what's happened. He said, uh, you're going to uproot some of the wheat also. Just let them grow together. Wait till the harvest time. And when the harvest comes, he says, I'll tell the harvesters to bundle the tares together and cast them into the fire to be burned. And I'll gather the wheat into my barn. Very simple story. But it has a very rich, deep meaning. Look down to verse 36 If you will. Verse 36 says, he put another parable, or sorry, I'm in verse 31 there. Verse 36 says, then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds or the tares in the field. And so these disciples, they wanted Jesus to explain this parable. As many times he has to do that. Uh, we talked about that before. He, he's telling these stories in parables. And then many times later he's giving the explanation to his disciples. So we don't have to wonder, what in the world does all this mean? What does it mean about telling a story about wheat and tares together? So we have the explanation. Verse 37 says, he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man so the farmer in this the sower in this story is the son of man now if you know your bible you'll know that son of man is just another term for jesus christ the the messiah It's a word for him for jesus himself and so the one who sowed the seed is jesus so who are the good seed go on down if you will and we'll notice in the next verse he says the field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And so the wheat, the good seed, represents the children of God, the children of the kingdom, those who have been born again, those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. So what is the field? Well, verse 38 tells us there that the field is the world. And his followers are, are, are to be out in the world representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the field's the world, but who is the enemy? Who sowed these tares, these, these seeds of wheat, these seeds of, of weeds to start with? Notice verse 39. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers... Are angels. So already when Jesus begins to explain who some of these parts are in the story, things begin to come on in our mind. Light bulbs begin to go on, and we begin to realize oh, okay, I know what he's talking about here now in these verses. So these tares, these weeds uh, represent, uh, again, as we see there, uh, they are the children of the wicked one, the children of the devil. You see, not everybody who lives in this world today is a child of God. Not even all those who are quote-unquote religious. Not even those who all profess with their lips Jesus as Lord. Because in fact, uh, we know from what Jesus tells us at the great judgment, there's going to be those who are going to say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, why call you me Lord, Lord? You never followed me. And He's going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. So it's not just what we say with our lips. The Bible tells us we have to believe in our heart. We have to live it. In our life, there has to be evidence of the fruit of salvation in our lives. So the tares represent the children of the wicked one. Notice who the reapers are, though, in verse 39. The reapers are the angels. And so they're the ones who are gonna harvest both the wheat and the tares. And finally, what is the harvest? Look at verse 40. It says, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. That literally means that at the end of the age, there's going to be a harvest time. And so those are the basic truths of this parable. So let's get into some of the the truths for today that we can learn and apply to our life. Notice the sowing in verse 25 and the explanation in verse 36 through verse 39. So verse 25 again said, While they were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Verse 36 told us that he left the crowds, he went into the house, his disciples came to him saying, explain. And then the field, we, we learned what all those different explanations are. So the greatest threat. To any farmer in that day was that someone might, whether they were angry with them or, or through hostility, that they might come and sow weeds in their field of wheat. As a matter of fact, it was such a serious crime that Rome had made a law against it. That if you sowed weeds in a neighbor's wheat field, you ruined his entire crop and you took away his only source of income. So you realize then how drastic uh, and how, uh, how serious this issue is. So why did all of this happen? Who did it? Well, we, we know, as we've already read, this was the work of Satan. And it tells us something uh, about how Satan works. Notice that Satan works by imitation. Satan works by counterfeiting. Because notice what he sowed. He sowed tares or he sowed weeds that looked like the original, looked like the wheat. He didn't go and sow uh, some other weed. He didn't go and sow thorns and brambles. Uh, he sowed something that looked like the, the original. And, and so we see that Satan works by counterfeiting. Uh, we see Satan's burning ambition is to be like God. He mimics the word of God. Uh, monkey see, monkey do uh, is kind of what he does. And so Satan has, has really made a monkey of himself trying to imitate God. He is the chief Counterfeiter. And so if the work of the it's the work of the devil because he is the false farmer who has sowed the weeds or the tares in God's field in the world. And right away we learn something. We learn here that Satan isn't against religion. He uses religion. Because think about that. What could he have done as the enemy? He could have went through the field where the farmer had sowed all those seeds, and, and, and he could have just went through and kicked them up out of the ground. He could have just went through and just destroyed the crop, couldn't he? But he doesn't do that. He sows weeds. He sows tares amongst the wheat itself. And so he's not against religion. He uses it. He's in religion up to his ears. Always remember that the worst kind of deception is religious deception. And what we see is that Satan is always trying to counterfeit the word of the Almighty God. So why did he do this? Well, here in this parable, it says an enemy has done this. Tyndall, in his translation, puts it this way, an envious person has done this. What is Satan's motivation in it all? Because Satan isn't interested in the wheat... And he's not really interested in the weeds either. He's envious of God. He's trying to hurt the work of God because he's envious of God. He doesn't really care about a crop at all. All he's working for is to somehow try and pull God from his throne as though he might exalt himself. It's the work of an enemy. So understand that Satan's real battle isn't with you. Whether you're weeds or whether you're wheat, whether you're lost or whether you're saved, the real battle is with God. And he's simply using us as a pawn in his war against God. He can't get directly to God because God is God. But evil people always uh, have always known if you can't hurt someone, what do you do? You hurt someone that someone loves. You, and when you do, you've hurt that person anyway. So who did it? The devil. Why did he do it? Envy against God. When did he do it? Verse 25 told us there, he did it while the servants were asleep. You know, one of the things that tells us is we are the servants. We need to wake up. We need to realize that we do have an enemy who's roaming about like a roaring lion, who wants to steal, to kill, and destroy, and he is seeking to sow seeds of, we- of, of weeds or tares in your heart and in your life also. He wants to choke out the Word of God. You remember the soils and the seed that fell amongst uh, the weeds there against the brambles and the briars there, and it chokes out the things of this world, choke out the Word of God. We need to wake up. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 34. It says, wake up from your drunken stupor, not a physical, literal drunken stupor, but because of where we are spiritually. He says, wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. There are people around us People who are part of our friends and part of our family, uh, people who are in those inner circles of our life wherever we go each and every day, who we have a responsibility to share the good news of the gospel with, but it's like we have fallen asleep on the job. We've not been sowing the seeds of the gospel. The devil, he's sowing tares In God's field. He says some haven't got the knowledge of God because they're asleep. Some of the members of your family and and even some who maybe even come to church need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It was done while they were sleeping. Satan never sleeps. and We need to realize we have a task that we must do till we draw our last dying breath. Notice thirdly here the similarity in verse 26. At verse 27 again. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? Now remember what we've already said. The weed looks very much like the wheat. So much so, as we said, that the, the, the experienced farmer couldn't even tell the difference just by a casual observation You had to wait until they came to a certain point of maturity. The Bible says that the devil is so clever that he would even deceive the very elect if it were possible. Do you get that? Remember that the plan of Satan is to counterfeit the work of God, to imitate the work of God, to hurt and discredit the work of God. And the best counterfeit looks the most like the original. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. He said, for if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. He's saying, he's saying there, there are some who are going to come to you, there are people who are going to come across your path under the guise of religion. They'll talk like we do, but when you get beneath the surface, when you pull away the veil of darkness, when you measure their beliefs of these people by the word of God, not by what you say, but what does God's word say, you'll find that, that the Jesus that they're preaching is not the Jesus of the Bible. Not only is there a counterfeit Jesus, but there's also a counterfeit spirit. You notice that again back there in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 11. There's this counterfeit spirit. Sometimes we say, well, I must be a Christian because I've had a spiritual experience. Understand that a spiritual experience doesn't necessarily mean that you're a Christian. Can you have a spiritual experience when you become a Christian? Yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are. The Bible says not to believe every spirit. It says to try the spirits, whether they are of God. Many false spirits, the Bible tells us, are gone out into the world, and there's a false spirit who pretends to be the Holy Spirit. The tares look so much, so very much like the wheat. And so not only is there a counterfeit Christ, and not only is there a counterfeit spirit, there are even counterfeit ministers. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13, Paul goes on to say, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as what? Apostles of Christ. And no wonder... For even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So don't think that, that the devil's going to come wearing that, that long red suit with a, with a long fork tail and a pitchfork uh, saying, Boo, I'm the devil. What's the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us he comes as an angel of light. He comes in disguise. He comes as a counterfeit. There's a counterfeit Christ, a counterfeit spirit, counterfeit ministers, and it goes on. There are going to be counterfeit brothers and sisters who profess to be in Christ. When you read what Paul has to say in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 24, listen to what he has to say. He's talking about the suffering that he experienced. And right in the middle of it, I want you to see this phrase that he uses. He says, five times I received at the hand of the Jews, those who were religious, not the Romans, but the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was at drift on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers. That all sounds great. Then he says, danger from my own people. Danger from the people of the world, from the Gentiles. Danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. And notice this phrase, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship. Through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. It's interesting that Paul uses that phrase, danger. From false brothers. What he's talking about there is that they're not brothers and sisters in Christ. They are not, uh, they're not truly members of the body of Christ. They are false brothers and false sisters. And, and so notice that that is also another falsity, but then he says there's a false gospel. There's a false gospel, as Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through verse 9 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. That still happens today. Verse 8 goes on to say, but even if we or an angel even from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. And as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. I hope that you have caught the point in the similarity between the tares and the wheat. There's a whole religious world uh, out there sowed in the field of the world and people who are professing something that is not the same thing the Bible says we need to have. They don't know the Lord. They've never been born again. They are not true Christians. They are counterfeits. They are tares among the wheat. Lots of people say they're Christians, but they're not. There may be some who do some good. But understand this, doing good is not enough. If it were, then our salvation would be based on us, and Jesus dying on the cross was of naught. Jesus died on the cross because there was no way we could save ourselves. There was no amount of good things we could do to earn our salvation. I borrowed this from Pastor Matt, so hopefully it's not a counterfeit. How do you know if this is a counterfeit? You can't tell from looking where you are, can you? I don't know that I can tell fully from where I am right here. I can see some things. I can see some images through it. I can see a stripe through it. There are some microscopic words on it. But it takes somebody who knows what the genuine article looks like to be able to evaluate whether it's a counterfeit or not. If this was a counterfeit, did you know you could take a counterfeit $20 bill and you could do some good things with it? You could pass it off uh, at a store and, and maybe buy some milk and some eggs. You could you could buy a little bit of gas right now, not even a tank full. <laughs> with $20, a $20 bill, you could do a lot of things. You could pass it off here, you could pass it off there, unless somebody looks at it. Maybe you take it to the bank when it comes to that experienced teller, They look at it, sometimes you see those people, your clerks, they take that little pen and they mark over it, or sometimes they'll put it up under a a particular kind of light so they can be able to see that it's a genuine article. You take it to them and they won't let it pass there. They won't accept it. They'll reject it because it's a counterfeit. You see, a counterfeit Christian may do some good deeds here, may do some things over there, may do a lot of good things throughout their life, but when it comes to the judgment bar of God, God will see through all of that and realize that's not genuine. That's not real. Notice Jesus said, there would be tares and wheat right to the end of the age. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 that in the latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. That was a warning to the church even. Notice the survival in verse 28 to verse 30. Why are these tares allowed to survive? Why didn't the farmer just say... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and go out there and pull up all them weeds, pull up all those tears, get your hoe, get your sickle, go out there and cut them down and let's burn them up. He didn't say that. Notice again what he said in verse 28. He said the enemy had done this and they said, should we go and get them? And verse 30 he says, let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time... I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The reason why the farmer instructs the servants to leave both the weed and the wheat alone is what we said while, a while ago that first of all, their plant roots would have become so intertwined. And, and even if you were able to distinguish the good from the bad, you would wind up uprooting the wheat as well as the tares. He says also that, that, the, wheat, uh, the, that the wheat that was planted or, or germinated later would mature later, and some of the wheat had not yet produced heads of grain, and because of that, it could be mistaken as tares. It's not until that maturity point where you see the heads of grain, and you begin to realize this is wheat, and this is empty. This is nothing but a weed. The dividing couldn't take place until the harvest was ripe. So how do you deal with those who profess to be Christians, who are counterfeit Christians, even those sometimes who we find even amongst the body? You know, how do we deal with false cults? Understand this, our job isn't to kill the weeds. Get that in your heart and in your mind. Uh, When when throughout history the church itself has even had crusades to root out false religion, that's not in the will of God. You do more harm than you do good. Uh, You would make a tragic mistake if you ever became a part of, of a movement that persecutes someone because of their faith. They're accountable to God, not to you. And so the only person who can know that they're saved truly is you and the Lord. So the only person who can know that is you and the Lord. And if we're to go in with our sickle and start to harvest the wheat and the, uh, from the tares, if we were to go in with our hoe and start to root up the wheat uh, out of the tares, you would make a terrible mess of things. Some say, well, this passage is not talking about church discipline because we know the the, the field here is the world, but even in church discipline, uh, church discipline isn't a matter of rooting out, church discipline is a matter of restoring, of bringing back to Christ. And so then notice the separation, notice the separation. I want you to see the separation of the tares and the wheats, because the reason is this, the Lord is coming to the harvest time. Verse 30 again tells us there that he says, Gather the weeds first and bind them in the bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 41 says, the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Why does God tolerate the tares? Why doesn't God just burn them out? Why doesn't God just zap out those? Why does he tolerate the counterfeit Christianity even, uh, those who profess to be Christians even around us? Why does God tolerate hypocrites? Why does God allow all of that to go on? Is it because he's powerless? No. It's because God has a divine plan, and God doesn't put the sickle in until the harvest is ready, but also the tares are going to be harvested when they're ripe. I want you to look at a passage over in Revelation. We're going through the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights, and this will bring it right back to where we've been going through there. Revelation 14 and verse 14 says, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud one like a son of man, who we talked about in this parable, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand that's the device that would be used to cut the wheat cut the tears verse 15 says and another angel came out of the temple calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud put in your sickle and reap for the hour to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe so he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth and the earth was reaped the end of the age is the harvest Why does God wait till the end of the age? He's waiting for the crop to ripen. But the question for us is, well, what about the ungodly? What about all those false teachers that we know are out there around us? What about the blind leader leading the blind? Uh, what about the false religionists? What about those people who, who don't stand for the word of God? What about the children of the wicked one? Uh, they have cursed people who will curse people who will curse people. They, they can't receive their reward yet either because the harvest isn't ripe. What we need to remember is that there is coming a time... When God Almighty will place that final period on that final sentence, on the final paragraph, on the final chapter of history, and the harvest will be reaped because sin, iniquity, will be full. The Lord lets both grow side by side. But remember this also, don't get too comfortable in the fact that judgment hasn't come yet. It's not the harvest time yet. He's told us that there's coming a time when there will be a separation of the tares from the wheat. Uh, There's something here I don't want you to miss, and it's this. In a spiritual sense, understand this, all wheat begins as tares. They both look the same. There's no distinguishable difference. There was a time... When you and I were, 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 we, were weeds, we were lost without Christ. There was a time when we were not saints. We were sinners. We needed a Savior that could turn us into saints. And incidentally, if you've never realized that you were a sinner, then you're still not a saint. May I tell you something? Turning a sinner into a saint is something that God only can do. Let me share with you these last things to get out of this message. Three words of warning. Number one, make absolutely certain this morning that you're saved. Make absolutely certain that you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, that you've surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. Know that you're saved. Make absolutely certain that you're not a hypocrite, that you're not a counterfeit Christian, the devil had just as soon send you to hell from the pew as from out there in the world. Do you know that you're saved? Does God's spirit bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God? Second Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? The second word of warning is, if you're not saved, don't let a counterfeit Christian, don't let someone who's living a hypocritical life keep you from going to heaven. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard people say that. Well, they're just a bunch of hypocrites over there at that church. I see what they do throughout the week. I see how they live their life. Don't let someone living a hypocritical life keep you from going to heaven. Don't make that mistake of saying that I'm not going to have anything to do with wheat because of the weeds. That's the work of the enemy. And so I'm not asking you to put your faith in a person. I'm asking you to put your faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins. Here's the last and third warning. You may be a tear, you may be a weed, but God can turn you from a weed into the wheat. He can bring salvation and eternal life into something that once was dead. If you repent of your sins and you trust in Jesus, I I don't care what you've been, whether you've been a religious person, you've been a non-religious person, you've been a counterfeit Christian, you've been an open unbeliever, deceived or deceiver, if you trust Jesus today as your Lord and your Savior, He will save you and you will become a wheat in his kingdom. You will become a child of God to live eternally with him forever in heaven, not to be cast into the eternal fire of hell to burn forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this parable and its warnings. Lord, I would hate to leave here this morning knowing that there are those who went away in the comfort uh, of a profession with their lips, but their hearts are far from you. Lord, the message has been placed before every person here, every person who's watching online. Lord, if they don't know Jesus this morning as their Lord and their Savior, you're calling them. That life can come into their heart and life. This doesn't have to be uh, the, the rest of their life. They don't have to live apart from you. There is a moment and a time right now where they can trust in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. So we come before you in this prayer time, Lord, asking for you to speak into their hearts and to help them, Lord, to come by faith, to receive Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And Father, I pray that there'll be those who'll come during this invitation time who'll cry out to God and say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he arose from the dead, not just with my lips, but in my heart I believe that. And I come to publicly profess that faith in Jesus Christ this morning. Lord, help me to live for you the rest of the days of my life. Change me from the inside out as I repent of my sin and turn to you. Father, I pray that if someone's prayed something like that in their heart, may they come this morning. Lord, there are others of us who are here. We are servants already in the kingdom of God, but somewhere along the way we've fallen asleep and we've allowed the enemy to sow those tears, to sow the weed in the people's hearts and lives around us. And we haven't even once cast a seed of the gospel. Father, I pray this morning that we as believers here this morning would be convicted in our hearts, Lord, that we would realize we have been asleep for far too long. Lord, may you wake us up, shake us, do whatever it takes, Lord, to bring us to that place where we can't do anything else but tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would just cast the seed and keep casting the seed keep casting the seed, and that you would do your work to bring salvation to people's hearts. Lord, may your will be done in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us in our closing hymn. As we stand, as we sing, will you make your way and come? seated by the mark come and share our announcements and also pray for our meal uh, back there
4: Good morning uh, just a couple of announcements uh, uh, Marlon and Joe are requesting prayer for their son Roger Bates lives in uh, Decatur I think in Alabama having back surgery tomorrow very serious surgery pray for a successful outcome and a uh, rapid recovery for Roger and then I have this I think I think this is from Pastor Matt here. Please remind the youth parents that we'll meet with Matt at 5 o'clock in the fellowship hall today. Does that sound right, Jim? I, I just got this from, from Nathan here. So keep these announcements in mind. It's a, a joy to share with Ms. Kay her, her baptism this morning. We welcome you as a uh, newly baptized member of, of our congregation here. And uh, With that, let's go ahead and oh, don't forget to support the youth fundraiser back here with the barbecue lunch. It's really good, so oh, The VBS Sunday school classes that are doing VBS meals for the workers uh, Contact you Brian Or pastor or Matt. Yeah, okay good. Thank you for that reminder. Let's go to the Lord in prayer father we thank you for this teaching of our Lord about the uh, uh, the, the mixture and the counterfeiting effect of, of the evil one and his uh, and his desire to uh, sow discord, to sow falsehood, and to confuse and discourage uh, uh, your children, believers. And uh, we thank you that He is the one that is coming in the end that will bring uh, discernment and judgment uh, and and righteousness back uh, to the way things should be thank you for your word and the way it instructs us teaches us we just commit this uh, coming week to you and ask that you would uh, bless and direct and and go with us from this place we pray in christ's name